When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Meet new U.S. Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene. There's possible satanic worship and maybe all these scary things, what's considered conspiracy theories, really may be true. A pro-Trump Republican representing the people of Northwest Georgia, Green has some exotic beliefs. For example, that Jewish financiers are behind natural catastrophes. Taylor Green is a crank, but she doesn't come from nowhere. She has a base, she has supporters, and that's one reason that the Republican Party has been a little bit reluctant to really sever its links from her entirely. Who is Marjorie Taylor Green, and how did she rise to national notoriety? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm David Aronovich. Today, from conspiracy theories to Congress, the Marjorie Taylor Green story. This week, many Republicans will gather in Florida for the Conservative Political Action Conference, and they have a strategic decision to make. Are they to continue to be Donald Trump's Republican Party, the party of January the 6th, or will there be a return to the more establishment republicanism of the past? I'm Josh Glancy. I'm Washington Bureau Chief for the Sunday Times, which means covering DC politics, but also well beyond that across America, particularly election campaigns. The end of impeachment, that was the last unfinished business, if you like, of the Trump administration. And there is this sense of exhalation and wondering what's next, I suppose. As Josh exhales and wonders, and we exhale with him, one straw in the wind was the disinvitation to that conference of the new representative of Georgia's 14th district and her decision to host a rival event. Josh first heard of Green last summer when she appeared in one of the safest Republican seats in the country. I want to say to Nancy Pelosi, she's a hypocrite, she's an anti-American, and we're going to kick that out of Congress. She won her primary over the summer. According to Q, now I'm saying according to Q, again, I don't have any proof of this, but I'm, we're talking about who is Q, so I'm going to tell you what he says. According to him, many in our government are actively worshipping Satan. And there were a spate of pieces then saying Congress is about to have its first QAnon member, was how it was framed at the time. QAnon is a wide-ranging internet-based conspiracy theory which alleges a plot to run America by a secret cabal of Satan-worshipping cannibalistic paedophiles who is a sideliner running a global child sex trafficking ring and whose main opponent was supposed to be former President Donald Trump. You can hear more about QAnon in our episode from January the 26th. Back to Josh. There was a bit of a kind of stir around that. And I remember asking her for an interview at the time, DM'd her on Twitter and I said, would you give an interview to the Times of London? You know, very keen to hear your views. 
we're not like CNN, we'll be impartial. And she just said one word, no. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing else. No, not no, sorry, or no, I'd rather not, or no, I'm busy, just no. Hard no from Marjorie Taylor Greene. So I never interviewed her. But this stuff was simmering away, this broader QAnon concerns, concerns about having someone like that in Congress. Then we went into the election campaign and it was all about that. And then I think she resurfaced afterwards as Trump really went off the deep end post November 3rd. This is Marjorie Greene. The American people re-elected President Trump, but Democrats want to steal this election with fake mail-in ballots, dead people voting, hidden vote counting and rigged rules. And then she came into that as part of the kind of broader radicalization of the Republican base that happened over those few months. So she's had kind of two emanations, in other words. One after the congressional elections when she was elected, and then latterly after the presidential election leading up to January the 6th. So let's talk about the first emanation. When you asked her for an interview at that time, were you aware that she had really, really extreme views? Yes, in the sense that her QAnon support was made clear at that point. And you can't really get more (laughs) cranky than QAnon. But people have done a lot of excavation on her since then, particularly since she's been in Congress the last few weeks. And people have really gone to town on the archives. And there's a lot there because she's what you might call an extremely online person. And so the more and more has emerged, more and more pressure has been put on Republicans because of these strange things. We've had space lasers sponsored by the Rothschilds. We've had her costing young shooting survivors who are campaigning against guns. We've had her liking posts saying that Nancy Pelosi, the Democratic speaker, should get a bullet in the head. I mean, really extreme stuff. So the more we know about Marjorie Taylor Greene, the scarier some of it gets, really. Could you take us through one or two of those things, maybe in slightly greater detail? It became a great big joke, and it all of a sudden arose on uh, social media, and I didn't know where it came from, that these were Jewish space lasers. And I had no idea what it was referring to. Take us through what that was. David, I mean, I think you and I both know from our private emails the Jewish space lasers. I mean, we've been in CC'd on many. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> there, was, there was a lot of fun to be had with them. But basically, she espoused a conspiracy theory about California wildfires, arguing that it was some form of conspiracy, that lasers were being used to start the fires so that various groups could benefit from this. It was rather convoluted. And it's not clear why, if you had the power to use your space lasers to start a fire, you might just find other ways to profit (laughs) in the world. But she suggested that the Rothschilds were behind this, which, as we know, is an enormous red flag as an anti-Semitic conspiracy theory. She's very keen on George Soros being behind pretty much everything as well, which is also a pretty obvious anti-Semitic conspiracy. So that got memefied into Jewish space lasers, which everyone had a lot of fun with. But obviously the serious point there was that she's delving pretty obviously into quite standard anti-Semitic territory on that one. One of the problems when you're dealing with questions like this and somebody becomes elected is you don't really know whether they've been elected because of them, despite them, or because people aren't just aren't interested in them. Yeah, it's a good point. And I think with Taylor Green. She slightly slipped under the radar in the Georgia 14th district and an old congressman was retiring. And I don't think everyone who voted for her knew about all this stuff or necessarily endorsed it. At the same time, there is a growing constituency for this stuff. Something like a third of Republican voters in a recent survey by the American Enterprise Institute showed some interest or support for QAnon. So we're talking like big numbers there. So Taylor Greene 
is a crank, but she doesn't come from nowhere. She has a base, she has supporters, and that's one reason that the Republican Party has been a little bit reluctant to really sever its links from her entirely. Very curious to know a bit more about Marjorie Taylor Greene and the district of Georgia she represents, the 14th, I enlisted the help of someone who knows the area well and is based there. Hi, could you first just introduce yourself, your name, what job you do? My name's Lisa Hagen. I'm a public radio reporter with uh, WABE. That's the NPR station in Atlanta, Georgia. Is it fun? Is it fun? I think it's fun. Sometimes it's exhausting. It has been this year. I'm usually a criminal justice reporter, but a couple years ago, I was part of a fellowship to cover guns. And because of that, I started looking into the world of, for lack of a better word, gun rights extremism that is pretty rampant and growing here in the United States. And that is how I ended up seeing Marjorie. So when did you first become aware of Marjorie Greene? I'm not sure that I was aware of her when I became aware of her. I went to a militia rally. It was on a weekend in spring in 2019. I wasn't expecting a whole lot, but you never know who you're going to meet. And boy, did I meet someone that day. Lisa, I'm Marjorie Greene. Hi. Nice to meet you. Yeah, I had no idea who she was. She was a short, very fit, blonde woman with aviators who was extremely perky. And, I mean, I was also just glad that there were women there and that other people were live streaming it because these can be lonely affairs as a reporter sometimes. Well, what was she actually doing? She was live streaming. Well, hey, you know, I'm live streaming to my fans here. Like, I'm live right now. People are just watching and checking out what's going on. Um, Just covering any kind of events and and supporting, speaking out for the things that we truly care about. I was a little bit curious about her because, you know, I was like, who's watching this person? And why would anyone else in the world care what is happening here? Again, this is like... A Saturday at the Georgia State Capitol, no one is around. It's just these, like, 20 or so guys and a few women in tactical gear. We see this all the time now with characters on the Internet. Like, I I can't do it very well, but it's a whole skill, and it's clear that she was very good at it and practiced by that time. It's fair enough, isn't it, to be sometimes impressed by people even that you don't agree with. In other words, you can see that they have a certain something. This is jumping way ahead, but I have seen her now do town halls in her district. And honestly, she's a very good communicator. So there's that. I'm Marjorie Green, and I'm running for Congress in the 14th District of Georgia. I've never run for office before. I'm a political outsider. I'm not a career politician. I'm a successful business owner. The next time I heard about her, she was running for Congress. You know, I hadn't really paid very much attention to her. She was not the reason that I was there at the rally that day. I had gone and looked her up and saw a video that is now quite infamous that at the time had really elevated her in this live streaming far right world. David, why are you supporting the red flag laws? And it was of her sort of chasing down, for lack of a better word, this young high schooler, David Hogg, who had just been through an incredibly traumatic event at the Parkland shooting. If there had been, if Scott Peterson, the resource officer at Parkland, had done his job, then Nicholas Cruz wouldn't have killed anybody in your high school, or at least protected them. 
Why are you supporting red flag gun laws that attack our Second Amendment rights? The video is a shocker. Do you not know how to defend your stance? Recorded in Washington, D.C., it shows Marjorie Taylor Greene pursuing a young man called David Hogg, the Capitol building visible in the background. David is one of the survivors of a mass shooting at his high school in the town of Parkland, Florida, in which 17 of his fellow students were killed and 17 others were injured. And she's asking David Hogg to defend his support of what were known at the time in the U.S. as red flag laws. And red flag laws are basically a type of law that was becoming popular just after Parkland, where family members or law enforcement can speak to a judge about they're concerned that someone might hurt themselves or others with a gun or with a weapon, and they can get an order to take those guns temporarily away. And that's actually something that's been shown to be super effective, specifically with suicides. Marjorie is harassing him, essentially, about this, and he's not answering. You don't have anything to say for yourself? You can't defend your stance? How did you get over 30 appointments with senators? How'd you do that? How did you get major press coverage on this issue? So she is displaying herself as getting the upper hand on him by saying, you can't even defend your argument. Now, David Hogg is a survivor of the Parkland shooting, so in this country, we might be inclined to be fairly gentle around such a person, but, but she really isn't. Well, first of all, she doesn't necessarily believe in the facts surrounding a lot of historic violent events in the United States. You see that with her denial of Sandy Hook. And she very much expressed an opinion that David Hogg and some of his fellow classmates were essentially acting and playing a role of victim in order to get, in her viewpoint, tyrannical gun laws passed. Now, When you started looking at Marjorie Taylor Greene, what did you discover about, let's say, her family background and her business background? She is a Georgian. She is the heiress to a successful construction company. And her husband married into that business. So that was their entire life, raising kids. She had already had three kids by the time she made it into anyone's awareness back in 2012 as like a CrossFit person. I've spoken to the gym owner of a place that she used to work at in Alpharetta. His name is Jim Chambers. 2012, when he had met her, all she was interested in was owning a gym. And she was part of the sort of staff at an Alpharetta gym. This is just north of Atlanta. This was her pursuit at the time. And what he told me was that she was very, very energetic about trying to get out and meet people in the CrossFit community and really make a name for herself. But he had never heard anything out of her of the kinds of things that she's now become known for. And certainly they didn't talk about politics, and she just doesn't seem like she was quite the same person at that time. Taylor Greene's voyage from CrossFit to Congress involved a switch of districts, the equivalents of our parliamentary constituencies, in order to have a better chance of being elected to Congress. It was a little 
bit of a shuffle, to be honest. At first, she started running for a seat in the 6th District, I believe it was, which is where she actually lives, and that makes sense. But she was up against a well-known Democratic candidate who had won there. And as she was running that race, the congressman from the 14th District announced that he would be retiring. So she quickly moved up there, bought a house, and switched the office that she was running for and got in there and immediately started very much like we heard about the CrossFit gyms, calling people, trying to meet people, networking, trying to climb and get endorsements and make a name for herself. She did it well enough that she got some very key endorsements from big Trump supporters, and then Trump took an interest in her. Somebody that gets a little more publicity than I do, Marjorie Taylor Greene, right here from Northwest Georgia. And she also got a lot of help from some of the fairly extreme gun rights organizations that I was also, you know, researching at the time. Well, this just in as we continue to follow the results for you tonight. Businesswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene beat Dr. John Cowan in the Republican Party runoff for Georgia's 14th congressional district. After winning the primary to be chosen as the Republican candidate, Taylor Greene was elected unopposed to Congress in November's election. Georgia's 14th district lies an hour's drive north of the state capital, Atlanta. It's a mostly rural area with one larger town, Rome, Georgia. Which is a lovely little town with a nice historic district. It has a number of schools, so it's a fairly more populated, a little bit more liberal area for northwest Georgia. But other than Rome, it is a lot of rural. You drive around, there's a lot of agriculture, fields, farms, Trump signs, Gadsden flags, the yellow ones that say don't tread on me with the rattlesnake. That's the area. And is it pretty country? It's gorgeous, absolutely. I mean, rolling hills, the further up north you get, you're close to the, the Smoky Mountains, just misty hills, and it's really gorgeous up there. Beautiful scenery, but in terms of its people, not a particularly varied area. It's not an area of Georgia known for its diversity. There are certainly populations of people of color and black folks in places like Rome and other towns there, but for the most part, it is a pretty white area. And it's an area that fought to be that way. What does that mean? There were certainly racist campaigns, I think, as recently as the 1970s there about integration and busing. And it was an area of the South that I think most people who live here now are not happy <laughs> is part of the, the history of this place. I, I don't want to engage in any kind of stereotypes, but would I see Confederate flags there? Yes, you would. Absolutely. And lots of, you know, billboards, lots of things about Jesus and abortions and love thy enemy, even Democrats, billboards like that. <laughs> well, at least they've got a sense of humor. Yeah, they, they do. Coming up, we'll hear what the locals think of their new representative and how she fits into the grand old party, the GOP. To get to the heart of the stories that matter every day with The Times and The Sunday Times, subscribe today and enjoy it one month free. Visit thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. How 
would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. While Marjorie Taylor Greene's history of supporting bizarre conspiracy theories online may have originally passed many in her district by... They must be aware of them by now. So how have they felt in the months since she was elected in early November? It depends on where you are in her constituency. If you're in an area like Rome. How in the world somebody with such strange, unbelievably radical beliefs could uh, manage to win the Republican primary, I don't know. I found plenty of people who are very, very, very unhappy that Marjorie is someone who represents them. And I don't think that the ordinary person here in Roman Floyd County, you know, is anywhere close to the extremist that she is. Uh, It was sort of a fluke that she managed to win. Other than the tourists we get, like yourself, it's not good for business. It's interesting that the things we could attract, we attracted her. How unfortunate for us. On the other hand, she seems like she's really smart. She knows what she's talking about, too. I don't believe she leaving anybody hanging, though, you know what I'm saying? I believe she's there for everybody. Her supporters, what matters to them is that Marjorie came and, and visited with them and says she's going to support their rights. You know, she just needs to, you know, try to stand up for our rights and not let uh, people take them from us. Which rights? Well, all the ones we're entitled to especially our gun rights. And that's about all they need to know. They don't know, for example, about the denying Sandy Hook and and, and things like that. Or, Or if they do know it, 
it makes no difference to them. Yeah, I would say both of those things are true. So that must make conversation with them, as you point these things out, quite interesting. It does. Honestly, I don't try to argue with people about their beliefs on these things. It doesn't get you very far as a reporter. The conversations I've had with supporters of hers are really, they're not interested in denying any of the sorts of things that she says. And they have really convenient mantras about the fake news that they repeat to themselves about how anyone who is opposing someone that they care about is making it up. So it's a pretty easy sidestep. Arguably, they have one of the most extreme representatives in the whole of the country. And so when you put to them, you have one of the most extreme representatives in the whole of the country, they presumably either say, I don't care, or I don't believe it. Oh, actually, I would say it's more like, that's great. We want extreme here. Those are the conversations that I've had with people in the district. The fact that you think that she's extreme is what they like. Absolutely. If that's the situation, how do her opponents ever defeat somebody like her? This is something that I specifically spoke to John Cowan, her former Republican opponent, about. And he said it was incredibly difficult. I'll be honest, she had a lot of money to get her name and her message out there. Um, She had critical endorsements from Jim Jordan and Mark Meadows. She had a lot of momentum. When we would try to bring up these extreme things that she was saying, we were just seen as trying to attack her. And that is not a look that is very popular amongst the population up there. And it's just, it really is impossible. You would have to out-extreme her somehow. From your view, does she represent, at least as far as the South is concerned, the future of the Republican Party, or just a temporary kind of strange, eccentric blip that will disappear? My guess is, I don't think she's going to be the future of the Republican Party. I think a lot of conservatives here are a little bit prudish about some of the things that she represents. They prefer a more buttoned-down type. However, it doesn't take a majority to have an impact on the mainstream. Marjorie Taylor Greene represents an extreme who has the power to slowly sway bits of the Republican Party in her direction. And that is what she's promised to do. Is a reporter allowed to have a view about whether or not somebody like her worries you? That's not something I'm going to comment on, but here's how I'll answer that question. I have had to consider whether or not it is safe for me to drive up to Marjorie's district at night to attend town hall meetings. And that is because I know that there are people around her, there are militia folks who might not think anything of intimidating someone like me up there. So I have had to think about my safety in terms of covering her, yeah. We're at this crossroads now, both in the Republican Party and broader American politics. Sunday Times Washington Bureau Chief Josh Glancy again. Are the Republicans going to continue going down this, what you might call, Trumpian path, which brings figures like Taylor Greene into the mainstream, which empowers conspiracies, or are they going to rein it back? That is an internal struggle going on within Republican politics. It's going to play out over the next couple of years. Trump will be a big factor in it. And in a way, the health of American democracy depends on the outcome of that struggle, I think. Did the Republican Party, the official kind of, the bigwigs in the Republican Party, did they treat her like a crank? 
Yes, it all happened somewhat under the radar. You do get cranks on the margins of political parties sometimes. It didn't really come to fruition, this issue, until she entered Congress. And then suddenly you had this spate of media and these kind of unveiling of these weirder and weirder and darker conspiracies that she'd promoted or liked or supported. And that the video footage of her accosting David Hogg. He had media coverage all over the place. I had zero. Guess what? I'm a gun owner. I'm an American citizen. And I have nothing but this guy with his George Soros funding and his major liberal funding has got everything. And it became very apparent that she belongs probably on a 4chan message board somewhere and not in Congress. And at that point, Republican leaders had to confront it. And you had Mitch McConnell, the Senate leader, calling her loony lies, a cancer to the party. So pretty strong language, but perhaps (laughs) coming slightly too late, if you like. Just a few weeks ago, the rookie Marjorie Taylor Greene was elevated by her party to the Congress Committees for Budget and Education. The majority Democrats were incensed. Marjorie Taylor Greene is totally out of control. And so it seems to me that the best thing that could happen at this moment is for Kevin McCarthy to make clear that she should not be on the Education and Labor Committee. Democrats wanted GOP House members to remove Green, but they refused. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy condemned Green's past, but made it clear the party would not punish her. Democrats have control of the House, so they then called a vote to expel her, which they won, and they won with 11 Republicans on their side. But you still had the vast majority of Republicans voting not to expel her from these committees. You've talked about some of the things that she said. I've written also about what has happened to one of the fathers of the Sandy Hook kids who were killed. And she is part of the kind of people who go around saying that what wasn't real and he gets harassed as a result of it. It's an appalling story. And yet the House Republicans send a message, whatever message it is, by putting her on the Education Committee. Yes. And the real concern is that she isn't just a crank who slipped under the radar, that she has a big constituency out there in the country, and that's why they haven't been willing to take action against her. Reasons not to be concerned, she is still one fairly unimportant congresswoman from a fairly random district. There are not a whole swathe of these congresspeople in the House at the moment. I wouldn't be surprised if she's primaried in 2022 by a mainstream Republican. I think there's clear objection to her from people like Mitch McConnell, from people like Liz Cheney, the chairman of the House Caucus. The establishment Republican Party, if you like, is fighting back against Marjorie Taylor Greene. By primary, we should just explain, you mean that they will ensure that a candidate stands against her when she's up for re-election. Another Republican candidate stands against her for the Republican nomination, and they'll put a lot of weight and maybe money behind that person. I think that's very likely. It may not get the endorsement of the entire party, but I think there will be a move among some Republicans to expel her. I think it will be able to bring the centre of gravity a little bit back towards what you might call the reality-based community. I suppose it begins to beg the question of what normal actually is, whether you can be a normal mainstream party if you have somebody like that as one of your, quite likely is going to be one of your more famous people. I think you can't, and I think... Mitch McConnell knows that, but they are somewhat constrained by just how many of their voters are interested in this stuff. So that's the problem they have to confront over the next couple of years. After the election, I'd rather hope that I could hang up my conspiracy hat, but (laughs) that that was entirely misguided. (laughs) 
since that first time you encountered her, have you met her again since or talked to her or interviewed her? And if you have, how's any of that gone? I wouldn't say that I talked to her. I attended a a press conference that she did with the former senator and losing candidate in the Senate race here, Kelly Loeffler. I have done a lot of reporting on her, and she was included in a large investigative podcast that I worked on. So I was finishing up reporting on that, and I had a lot of questions for her about the parts of her constituency that were the far right. And she started blaming the fake news for bringing things up like that. Instead of reporting about um, attacking people and calling them names, uh, Greg Bluestein, uh, have you retracted any of your uh, fake news articles about Russian collusion, conspiracy theories attacking President Trump? Have you written any articles lately about Hunter Biden and the scandal that's happening attached with Joe Biden? And then actually ended the press conference. No response? and walked very, very quickly back to her Humvee. She and the senator got in it and drove away. (laughs) That's the last time I met her. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times with me, David Aronovich, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times. My guests today were Sunday Times Washington Bureau Chief Josh Glancy and WABE reporter Lisa Hagen. And you can read more of Josh's work at thetimes.co.uk or in print on Sundays. To hear Lisa's investigation into gun rights extremism, search for No Compromise wherever you get your podcasts. The producer was Edward Drummond. The executive producer is Poppy Damon. And sound design was by Carla Patella. And look, if you have a story you think we should be covering, an idea for a future episode, I'm about to make a podcast based on just such an idea, or thoughts on what you've just heard, you can send us an email by writing to storiesofourtimes at thetimes.co.uk. See you tomorrow. Imperfect with Rachel Sylvester and Alice Thompson, a weekly series of in-depth interviews with high-profile figures examining how overcoming the challenges of their early lives shaped the people they've become. This week, Booker Prize-winning author Douglas Stewart talks candidly about coping with his mother's alcoholism and being gay in 80s working-class Glasgow. I was attacked very violently when I was, I think I was 15, and actually it was an old Glaswegian housewife who was driving by. She thought they were stamping on a dog and so stopped her car and got out and chase these boys away and and at the centre of it was me. Past Imperfect with Rachel Sylvester and Alice Thompson. Douglas Stewart, in his own words. Now available as a podcast. Listen on the Times Radio app or wherever you get your podcasts.